Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett. I am one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church. And I am joined, as always, by my good friend, my colleague, the Reverend Dr. Adam Roberts. Hello, my friend. Glad to be here. Glad to have you today. And... uh you bring with you this day just some uh, bittersweet. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that <laughs> that adjective bittersweet tidings. Yeah, there was some news that dropped on Sunday, uh, and uh, many people in the congregation at First Pres may have caught up to it. The ones I'm connected to on social media, uh, and any who are uh, connected to Lagrange College, but uh, it was United Methodist. Announcement Sunday sounds a lot like draft day. It kind of is in some ways uh, because United you're Methodist at least <laughs> you're at least a fourth round pick. <laughs> I, I hope so. I don't want that big signing bonus, you know. But uh, so um, just kidding, everybody. There's no signing bonus. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, how we wish there were. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I have uh, gotten to serve for nine years at Lagrange College, uh, which is a really long, very solid run for any United Methodist clergy person. Uh, We don't move like we used to. At one time, we Methodist clergy. Methodists were known for clergy changes every two to three years uh, up through our history until really the 1960s and 70s when that started to change. But we are appointed by um, the bishop of our conference, um, and I'm being reappointed Yeah, up to Carrollton, Georgia, to the University of West Georgia. Uh, where I'm going to go serve in a, a really unique um, ministry there that is shared between a church and a campus ministry. Uh, and I just happen to have a resume that has a lot of both of that. And so uh, as a natural fit, the church was St. Andrew's United Methodist Church for most of its history from the 1950s uh, forward in 2017 it relaunched under a new vision uh, as a joint venture with the Wesley Foundation at the University of West Georgia, which is a independent organization, part of um, the Georgia Commission on United Methodist Higher Ed, and, and it's an outreach onto that campus uh, that uh, brings students together every week for Bible studies, service activities, uh, a meal every Wednesday night, a worship service every Wednesday night for students, all that sort of thing, try to really build community there. Uh, and then the church, working hand-in-hand hand with that, supports those efforts, uh, and we hope to see the students come across to Sunday morning worship at the church, and that does happen. Um, and the church is called West Georgia Church now. And so uh, even visually, everything from the logo on is actually themed right there with University of West Georgia. So uh, a brand-new context and setting for me, really different um, and uh, super exciting, though. So that is what I will be doing uh, starting in July. Yeah, and I uh, got a great 
colleague who is following me at LaGrange College, uh, Ashley Jenkins. Some of you may know her, Ashley Fitzpatrick Jenkins. Uh, she was a 07 grad of LaGrange College and has had a great uh, career in ordained ministry in North Georgia. Uh, she'll be coming from uh, a church called Trinity at the Well United Methodist up in Cartersville. Uh, she'll be coming from being senior pastor there to serve as chaplain at LaGrange College. So she's currently the president of our alumni association, just a fantastic person. Her husband Trey is an alum of LaGrange College as well. So she is the perfect person. It's a great fit. Going to be a really good thing. Well, it is bittersweet. I mean, excited for you in this new yeah. adventure well, in I'm, your life. I'm happy to get back to the pastoral ministry side. That that's going to be fun for me as well, and the chance to merge that really, as you can do nowhere else in Georgia, uh, in Methodism, uh, is is amazing to merge that with student ministry on campus. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to fire up a podcast up there mm-hmm. and to learn from uh, unabashedly. Stealing and copying from uh, the creativity of our Lewis and Broad folks. Well, to be clear, your family will still be local here in LaGrange because you've got high school age young people, person. Yeah, that's the plan. So far, all signs are very good that uh, we're going to be able to do this via commute for a time and and remain here uh, in the community. So, um, it'll be a good little bit of driving, and I'm certainly going to be investing myself heavily physically present in Carrollton uh, all during the weekend on Sundays, but uh, family will get to remain here, and, and I'll be here too. Uh, and uh, so we love, we love LaGrange. We love LaGrange. And the goal is to get especially Jack through uh, high school. He's been with those kids since second grade at this point. Uh, he's a rising junior involved in everything. Uh, at the school, and then our middle son Sam is a, a rising junior at the college this fall. Uh, and my wife Holly is getting her second master's. Uh, she's got a master's in speech pathology, but she's picking up one in clinical mental health counseling, and she is exactly halfway through that program at the college. So uh, it makes sense, and, and that's a beautiful thing of uh, Carrollton and Lagrange being this close together. That that's there for us as a possibility. It's well, really, really lovely. A lot going on in the life of the Roberts family. Oh yeah, we we're doing stuff, but uh, <laughs> we are. Going to miss you around these parts uh, in your chaplaining life at Lagrange College. Well done over oh, there. Yeah, I love it. Always will will love that. Cannot say enough how special the college is to all of us, and will always be the case. Now I know our listeners are going to lose sleep over how this affects <laughs> cats and cheeses, as you have cats and cheeses and Jesus and Jesus has as you have come to call this illustrious podcast. That is. Uh, up in the air, we will be kicking that around. We'll see to, what happens. To be determined. Catechesis will go on. Oh, but of course. Uh, Adam's role, we'll see. We'll see. So it's up up for conversation, but let's enjoy him while we have him here, probably through June-ish, and uh, it's really an honor to share the studio with you. Hey, just know this. I'm a loose cannon, baby. Yeah, there's, there's no telling. You, that's exactly right, man. <laughs> that is exactly right. Speaking of cat and cheese, cat and cheeses, <laughs> cat and cheeses, yeah. aka catechesis, um, podcast of Lewis and Broad Media, and Lewis and Broad has a big weekend this weekend. Oh, yes. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Listen, Lagrange, the second annual music festival to fight poverty, a benefit music festival for circles of Troop County. Get your tickets, folks. Get your tickets at purelifelagrange.com. That is Pure Life 
lagrange.com. We've got music. We've got food. We've got beverage. We've got family-friendly activities. It is going to be a beautiful day in LaGrange over at Pure Life House of Music. Hope to see you all there. Ticket sales are already going well, and we anticipate quite a good crowd. We will have tickets available at the door, but I think it's in your best interest financially also to get them ahead of time because if I uh, get a slight affirmative nod from Leighton Parker, I believe it's a little cheaper on the on the digital side than the in-person side, right? So I uh, hope to see all of our cats and cheeses listeners out at Listen LaGrange. All proceeds go to Circles of Troop County, who is on the front lines of fighting poverty in our community. Now, let us move forward into the text for the week. It is the third Sunday of Eastertide. Do you do Easter egg hunts all through Easter Eastertide? <laughs> I have not, but hey, I why, mean, why not? You if know, you, if you get the urge. I feel like we underestimate how big of a festival this really could be for us. Eastertide. I, it, I, you know, absolutely. Um, I did have a conversation with students over spring break when we were down on our uh, mission into South Florida down there for uh, hurricane recovery uh, about Easter eggs and rabbits, and they had they had lots of questions. You know, why all these things? And so I started into a wonderful and fulfilling lecture on pre-Christian religious traditions and spring festivals, and they walked away. They just sort of just like our listeners are they doing. They disappeared one by one. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. Uh, in Easter Tide, we, we get a lot of pro- post resurrection stories. Last week, we got one that we focused on here. Um, and, and it was this story of doubting Thomas, so to speak. Doubting Thomas. Mm. Poor guy. I know, right? This week, we moved to Acts. Now, it's interesting on the surface because. One might think we're skipping ahead a bit, that the lectionary lizards, what were they thinking? Why are we going to Acts in a story that is couched within the Pentecost narrative? Pentecost happens after Eastertide, you're thinking, I'm sure, on the edge of your collective seats. If, if, if this is a liturgically astute listener, they are wondering exactly that. Why are we hearing a Pentecost story in Eastertide? It is one of the great questions philosophical and theological ever to be asked uh because peter gets to preaching really is is the gist of it It he gets to preaching about about who this jesus is last week actually i did not choose to focus on this scripture but last week i could have we could have maybe you did focus upon an earlier portion of the sermon in Acts chapter 2, including one of our favorite portions of the scripture where the folks at Pentecost were accused of being drunk. <laughs> and yeah. Peter says what? These people are not drunk, as you suspect. It's only 9 in the morning. Come I, on. I folks, love, that's literally what it says. I love that Peter says that. that, that that's his rationale. It's nine in the morning. Because I always think, well, clearly Peter didn't tailgate in SEC country for an 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, Bloody Mary's in the SEC, yes. Anyways, we digress. But this is a continuation of that 
sermon. It actually starts Acts chapter 2. The lectionary folks give us verse 14 as beginning point. Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. This is when people are trying to figure out what in the world is going on during the Pentecost event. Let this be known to you and listen to what I say, says Peter. Then it skips ahead to 36. And he continues his explanation, his proclamation of whom Jesus is. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel, because they are, after all, in Jerusalem. So he's preaching to them at this point in time that gospel had not yet penetrated the hearts of the Gentile people. House of Israel is his focus. Know with certainty that God has made Jesus to be both Lord and Messiah. And then, ooh, ooh, he gets a little, gets a little, uh, Cuts to the heart is what it says in verse 37. He gets after him. This Jesus whom you crucified. Yeah, and and cut to the heart. That's such a phrase to me. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's like, who are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Us? And, and what, what shall we do? You know, which is really the question you ought to have if you realize that something terrible has taken place that you might have somehow had a hand in or that you feel responsible for or that there has been a great hurt or a transgression. What what can we do? It, it, that's, that's, I'm so glad that you lifted that up because that really hadn't landed with me. I, I think I was been, I've been focusing more on what we're going to get to here in a couple minutes about repentance and baptism. But that question, now I think it's really important we remember a couple things about that question. First of all, Luke and Acts are a building upon of one another. They they, they are a one one work divided into two volumes. Earlier on in Luke, the third chapter, when John the Baptist is around, people are listening to him preach. He gets after him a little bit too. He's got some hard things to say. He does, and he says what he has to say, and then the people say, well, then what should we do? Yeah. So this is, it's a bit of a circling effect. We circle back here in Acts 2 to something that's very reminiscent of what happens in, in Luke 3, a response, a, okay, you've got this word that you're sharing with us, and what do we do about it? I, I truly think that might be the question that the church <laughs> That's a great, yeah, great way to think has it's our existential question that we're trying to what do we do work out and answer and offer people answers to and invite them to participate in yeah what do we do to get right to go a new direction to make a different world to bring the kingdom yeah because it is interesting i have found myself i don't know if you've done this with your students i've found myself preaching a lot about the the ways of the world the state of the world especially in the wake of what happened in nashville and suggesting that perhaps something needs to change. Yeah. Whatever that might mean, something needs to change. And so what happens inevitably, and I don't blame anybody for this, I wrestle with this question myself, is when I say these things, people come up to me after the service and say, thank you, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. 
what it, and struggle sometimes even to admit or feel responsibility for something that is in the collective out there. Like I, you know, I'm not responsible for that shooting or, or what happened with that or these things I see all around. And yet, I think we live in this world together. It's been said we all live downstream of each other, and that's really true. And so what could I do? What what can I do? What should I do? Uh, I'm teaching Christian ethics this semester. That's the fundamental question of that course. What should Jesus people do? Um, <laughs> the answer I keep coming back to again and again with students is, it's complicated, <laughs> but the answer is definitely something, you know, something, uh, some realization of some collective responsibility for each other and uh, the ability to act in a way that can, that can change things in a way that God would have as a preference for how we ought to be with each other. Now, when John the Baptist fields that question, what should we do? He says to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. Whoever has food must do likewise collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers ask them, what should we do? I mean, all these, it's interesting. I'm, ta- I'm looking at Luke 3. So the different groups, yeah. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got crowds. You've got tax collectors asking, what should we do? Soldiers asking, what should we do? And he has a response for all of them. In Acts, Peter, in his response, says, Repent, or in the South, repent, (laughs) and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven. Let's, let's, Let's focus in on that phrase just a little bit. First of all, repent. We talked about that Greek word. What is that Greek word? Well, clergy people often, rightly so, like to talk about the word metanoia, behind repent, uh, because metanoia carries different and maybe more specific connotation meaning than it has come to mean for us in uh, common common language of Christianity uh, in in the American South for sure but uh, in in Western Protestantism for sure um, and and it really means to change your thoughts your mind um, to go a different way through the the changing, of, of what we're thinking, what we're believing. Yeah. So it's a holistic piece. It's, it's, uh, it's it, very, it's not just a yeah. stop this behavior, repent of it. As I think we traditionally have interpreted it. It's more of a, you know, you need to change, reinterpret, reanalyze, rethink, not just stop, but also consider them on a more profound level. Yeah. Trans- transformational, transformational change that's not just transactional, right? It's not just, okay, slate's wiped clean, the books are back to zero. Uh, that transactional piece is how we have sometimes more come to understand repent. Uh, but it's it's enter this process of change. Yeah. I want to also talk a little bit about this baptism piece so that your sins may be forgiven. I, I cannot take credit for this research. I, I, you know, I'm a commentary reader just like anybody else. This phrase, forgiveness of sins, it uses the noun ephesus, and that means release. 
so it's not just a, a sense of well your your sins are forgiven of you but you are released from them you are released from the power that they have over you it's not just about this oh the the slate is wiped clean but it is a sense that whatever sin whatever thing has been separating you keeping you distant not that God remains distant or that we have the power to keep God distant, but you know what I mean. It keeps us falling short, tripping over ourselves. That thing should not have power from over you. You are released from that. It's a liberation piece. Yeah. And, and so as you and I were talking about baptism, and we were talking about it beforehand, and we could have a whole podcast on whether or not baptism is, is required for who would salvation? I'd be interested in the audience for that. One. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we could probably the same Hard people who would want to hear, hear about your uh, pre-Easter <laughs> spring rituals. But but baptism, and then in this sense, is a it is a ritual. It is a rite. It is a sacrament initiation. It's into an initiation. A new life. Yeah, yeah. It's death to life. Yeah. But it, it's not just this. Oh, you're you're washed clean and forgiven of your sins. It's, you know, it's, it's crucifixion and resurrection. I mean, that's the way I love to think of it. I've, 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 I was telling James earlier, I was part of a theology and doctrine interview team for our credentialing body in United Methodism for clergy. And one question I used to like to probe on with candidates is can they think about how the Easter story connects to baptism, uh, which it does. I mean, uh, for Methodists, our form of baptism is rarely immersion, immersion, um, embodies this a little more fully when you go under the water and you're raised up, but it is to absolutely signify death and resurrection in a real sense, which is, which is transformation, transformation into this new identity. And, and it's, so it's not just about our eternal lot, but it's also about the here and now, yeah, both, that we are freed and. and released to live lives yeah. without the weight of those things that, that hover over us, we're free from that here now. Yeah. And I think conversations about baptism tend to focus more on the <laughs> like mechanics of uh, is it an entry fee salvation? For, yeah. Yeah. To the pearly yeah. gates. And yeah. And, and here's the thing uh, changed understanding of your identity is powerful. It is one of the most powerful things, I think, for changed behaviors, which come then as a result of really understanding the core of who you are as healing and changing. Uh, I see our best coaches at the college. They are wonderful at teaching athletes. Uh, yeah, you may have struck out just now with two runners on and, you know, we needed that big hit. It means you failed in that at bat. It does not mean you're a failure as a ball player. You're, you're here because I believe in you. I want you to see yourself differently. I want you, and that's the only thing that's going to help that player uh, go forward with a, with a chance to get a hit the next time because it really is about teaching them you got a different identity than this ugly one you may put on yourself. So the moral of the story, and because in verse 41 it says, so, so those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added, is that if we just stand up and preach word for word what Peter said, our churches will grow 3,000 people at a time. <laughs> Uh, I would take that. <laughs> Has not worked exactly that way in my experience, but uh, 
you know, it's a good message. It is a good message. It's an important message, and Peter did a great job at conveying it. And I poured out of him, you know, with authenticity. I mean, it's like he he saw it, lived it, believed it. It poured out of him. Yeah, I hope we all are so bold as to preach messages that we are released from whatever gets us down and out. So that winds up this episode of Catechesis. Good job, man. Thank you. <laughs> we just need to say that publicly sometimes. It's always Y'all good pat, to sit hey, in the studio. Pat your pastor on the back the next time you see him. He does mighty good work. Pat your chaplain on the back <laughs> as well. He slipped me a $5 bill right before I said that. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. Just be a good steward of it, okay? Uh, all right. All right. For James Goodlett. Adam Roberts. And Leighton Parker. She is in studio. We didn't even bring her on today. Oh, no. We'll do a big, she's, really good ceremonial Ask Leighton next she's time. She's way too busy getting ready for Listen LaGrange. Hope to see you all there. Remember who and whose you are. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbrod.org. Until next week.